Okay, I want you to open your Bibles to Luke, Luke 4, as I give the introduction. So we're going to look at Luke 4, 18 to, to 41. But first, so I think I've mentioned it already, but, and I think we need to get this, is that in a way, in the church, we have divorced physical healing from forgiveness of sin. We say, we would we'd be easy to say, hey, Jesus, I know that you have forgiven my sin. I think all of us can, can in a way, we can understand that. But in the, same, in the same death, there was also a payment, a transaction that happened for the healing of our bodies. I think it's, more, it's difficult to believe that because all of us know of people that have maybe got healed and then eventually they died. It isn't, it's not saying that, that death's not going to happen. All it's saying that Jesus died for the healing of our bodies. And there is more that we can ask of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I think God is asking us through this month to say, you know what? There's more. You have limited me not only in, in, your, in your worship, but in your asking. We need to ask for that. So this, this month has already been very interesting in terms of health for our family. Literally all my children were sick at least for one day this month. My boy on Monday, Nicholas, he jumped out of like a, it wasn't even very high, jumped out of the tree, broke his wrist. Um, we had Ursula's daughter, she broke a toe. Uh, there's so much, so much things that just confirming to me that this is something we need to go after. So all I'm asking now is that these things, God, that we are suffering will prophesy to what's going to happen with the devil's work in our bodies. And uh, last night already at the first breakthrough, if you've prayed for a fever in your child, it's probably the thing that I have the least faith for. And it, it just doesn't want to go. So I've almost been struggling with fever for the last week and last night. Um, I was actually just preparing for my sermon. He was lying there next to me, and I just prayed for him and said, In the name of Jesus, fever, you need to go. And it literally, within five minutes, it left him completely, and he is fine this morning. So let's praise Jesus for that. So just to recap on, on last week, so Nancy did amazing, but also just the intro of, of healing. So Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, you don't have to turn there. It talks of five things that Jesus, the Messiah, will die for. The one is our griefs and our sorrows. So we're going to deal with that in, in Encounter 3, for instance. So that's emotional pain, mental pain, transgressions, our sinful actions, everything that we've done wrong, Jesus has paid. He has paid for that. You don't have to live with a guilty conscience. If you've asked for forgiveness, God has forgiven you. Iniquities, so that's our sinful nature. Those things that have been passed along through the generations. God has paid for that through Jesus. And then there's peace, peace between us and God. And it's also a state of our soul. And then healing all forms of, of sicknesses Jesus died for. So, if we look at the, the New Testament, if we look at Jesus' ministry, we see that Jesus... He makes a lot of, about, and he does a lot of healings, like miracles. 
John Wimber, he said, out of the 370, 779 verses in the Bible, 727 are about healing or supernatural with its deliverance or raising of the dead. So 19% of the New Testament, sorry, of the Gospels, the four Gospels, are concerned with the miraculous power of Jesus. So my, my question is to God, hey God, if this, is, was, if this was Jesus' ministry and we received the Holy Spirit and we're supposed to continue Jesus' ministry, what should we do? And I'm thinking 19% of my ministry should be concerned with this. At least 19%. And um, if we look at how Jesus started his ministry, he also he referenced an Old Testament scripture. So again, he's saying, hey, the Messiah was prophesied and I'm going to do exactly this. This is my mission statement. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke 4, verse 18. 18 and 19, and we're going to start there, and then we're going to continue from there. So if you want to, all of us, if we, if we start something, we, we want to know where are we going? What is, what is the thing that God has said to us about whether it's a business or this family or raising up a child? Where are we going? So Jesus, after he came out of the wilderness, he goes to... Um, to the synagogue, and he opens the scroll of Isaiah, and he says the following. He reads from Isaiah. So imagine I, I was thinking the other day, if, if I was Isaiah and I was in heaven looking down at Jesus, there's Jesus, the God. He's quoting me, and he's using my words, the words that I spoke 700 years ago. He is speaking that as his mission statement to the world. He's saying the following. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to do what? So there's, there's something that happened at his baptism. He, got, he received the Holy Spirit. There was an anointing. So in other words, empowerment from above to do what? To proclaim the good news to the poor. That's what Sally and them are doing. Then he's also sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Sorry. And to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's freedom. So there are five things that are mentioned here. So this is Jesus' statement. He's saying, good news to the poor. That's always part of the message. We are anointed. You have received the Spirit to preach the good news to the poor. Then the second one is, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. So that prisoners, that word, it means literally he is in captivity because of war. Some of you have suffered and the devil has taken you captive. You are a prisoner of war, maybe in, in one area of your life. Whether it's your business, your relationship, your mind, you are a prisoner of war. There's a war out there and the devil has taken you captive in this specific area. And then, then it mentions it's recovery of sight for the blind. So in other words, Jesus came, and it, this is physical recovery of sight, but also obviously spiritual recovery of sight. But it, it speaks of physical healing. So Jesus, good news to the poor, prisoners of war, I came to release you. I have the keys, I'm going to open the gate, you can walk free now. And then also people that are suffering from physical diseases, I also came for this. And then... To set the oppressed free, that word, 
that they use for a press is literally something that's broken. There's something in your life that's broken. God has, He came for this. Jesus came for this. And then the last one to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which means you have no debt. There's nothing that you owe. You're getting restoration even better than what you have. So this is Jesus' mission statement. So I want you to just keep in the back of your mind that he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Because that's the reason why he could fulfill these promises over his life. Luke 4, verse 19 to 30. And um, I'm just quickly going to summarize. So this is the next um, few verses after Jesus made the statement. So at first, people were in awe of what Jesus said. They were like, wow. Because they, they picked up something in the Spirit of who Jesus was. This was not a man speaking, but this was with the authority of heaven. And then Jesus made a few more statements, and then these people realized, because this was his hometown, they realized and they said to themselves, isn't this Joseph's son? And what happened after that? They all, they all said, hey, this is just Joseph's son. I, we know you. This is not who you are. They, they're so familiar with who Jesus was that they couldn't, they couldn't experience the fullness of who He really was in being the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, and we read that, that, um, that He tells them, Truly I tell you, He continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. Verse 24, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to the widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one, one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the, to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. And this is just an amazing verse of how, how Jesus is, what he can do. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. So they're busy trying to kill him. And then just went through the, walked through the crowd because it was not his time. And then he went to Capernaum. And on the Sabbath, he taught again. And then there was a demon that manifests. And then look what happens in this incident. incident. And verse 36, it says, All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are with authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out and the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area so we we have people responding to jesus words saying hey wow authority it's amazing it's incredible but then because of their familiarity with who jesus was they could not experience the full extent of his lordship in their lives there were no healings there were no demons being driven out. And then verse 38, it says, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. And then she get healed. And then it ends off at, in verse 40, 
sorry, in um, verse 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of, of the kingdom to the other towns also, because they, that is why I was sent. And he kept preaching on, in the synagogues of Judea. And the reason why they wanted him to stay in this, in this city of Capernaum is because of all the healings that he did. In verse, um, verse 41, it says, Moreover, demons came out of many people, people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was, he was the Messiah. So, Jesus comes. He announces his mission statement. But his hometown resists him. Then he goes to another region, preaches the same message, and then you see all these miracles happening. Everything happens that he just declared in his mission statement. So what's the, why the difference? Why the different outcomes? So I want to suggest to you that it's because of the familiarity that, that breeded unbelief, that bred unbelief, and dishonor, and therefore they could not receive the fullness of what Jesus died for. And I also want to suggest that maybe we, as a church, especially in South Africa, we are a little too familiar with who Jesus is. Maybe we are too familiar that it actually gets to a, it gets to a point where we, are, we have unbelief because of that. There's a form of dishonor towards who Jesus is just because we are so familiar. We all, we, most of us grew up in church. We went to Sunday school. You know about Noah and, and, and the ark. You know about Moses. You know about Abraham and Isaac. You know about what Jesus did. You know about him dying on the cross. When I, I, don't, I know when, when I read the Bible, when I get to the crucifixion um, passages in the Bible, almost I just want to skip them because I've been there. That's what I, in my mind, I'm, I have been there. I know what's happening. But now it's, it's, it's amazing just reading through these stories with my kids, and I'm like, whoa, I'm missing something. It becomes alive because I can see their response to this God who came. He's the king, but he came as a servant and died on the cross for us. So my question is, are we willing to receive Jesus as the Lord and the King? Because if we are willing to do that, if we open up our hearts and our minds to that reality, we're going to see everything and even more than that Capernaum saw. So oftentimes you would you would hear stories of, of missionaries go, going out to even, even our teams. We go to Sri Lanka. We go to Mozambique. And then they come back and they, and they tell you, Yo, those people are so open. We see all the miracles and demons are flying out. and People are healed. Eyes are opening up. And then those same people, when they come back, they experience, it's almost unbelief when they pray for nothing happens. And then because of that experience, they stop praying for people. Now, the scary thing is most of the people you pray for in the other country, at least that's, that's true from Sri Lanka, are people that don't know Jesus. But they, they saw somebody 
who open up their hearts, maybe not even a believer, maybe even a Buddhist, who open up their hearts to a supernatural God intervening in their bodies because they have no other choice. There's no doctor, there's no hospital, there's no somebody that can help them in a natural way. And they open up their hearts to that and they got healed or set free or delivered. And because of that, they're like, wow, I also want that. And because of that, Jesus the, the person that walks into the front door of that specific home or that specific person's heart is not the Jesus of a Bible story. It's a Jesus that they know by personal experience. So the th- sad thing about our generation is that we have often get to know Jesus through somebody else's faith. And we lose the power that came with that first initial encounter. So we need to recalibrate, we need to realign our thoughts and our hearts with who Jesus really is. So now, imagine this. We win the World Cup. Jason Colby scores in the corner. This is, I'm hoping Jesus will see this as a prophetic word. But don't kill me if we don't, because that's... So he scores in the corner, and we go, wow, yeah, it's amazing. World United, South Africa's United, Rainbow Nation, wow, wow, here we go. Shaw, Shalosa, everything. And then, and then I get Cheslin Colby to come and share his testimony in church. And he walks, he walks in there. The welcome team's like, wow, Cheslin Colby is here, his church. Wow, amazing. Wow, amazing. And then some... Some English guy there, he doesn't even know this rugby thing. He's like, what? Who's that guy? Jason Colby. I'm just joking, teasing the English guys. <laughs> and he walks in here, and we will celebrate him for who he is. He is the guy who scored in the corner in the final, and because of that, we won the World Cup. The William Webb Ellis Trophy, he's in our cabinet. But what if Jesus walks into this room? And now that's not a... That's not even a a question we should ask. The question is, what are we doing with Jesus that's in this room? What are we doing with Jesus that is in this room? And most of us, we have a sin response to Jesus. But what Jesus wants is a life response. In other words, we don't see Him condemning us for our sins, but we see Him for the life that He brings. Because he, he did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. So if Jesus walks into the room, the right response would be like, Wow, life in every area of my life. All the oppression, the brokenness that I'm suffering, gone. The healing that I need, my eyes to be opened up, my ears to be opened up, whether it's an autoimmune disease or hurting ankle or knee, gone. Deliverance of being in prison in some area of my life, gone. Because the only thing we did was just open up to the real Jesus. That, is our, that should be our faith. When we get to a point, if somebody comes in here with a wheelchair, it's, it's not like, oh, shame. When we come to, wow, God's going to move. That is 
what happens when we elevate, when we put Jesus on his throne in our, in our lives. Like, wow, somebody is angry with me. They are doing this and they are treating me in a bad way. Wow, I have an, an amazing opportunity to reveal Jesus' heart to this person. And then when Jesus is big in this person's life, he's going to receive all the life. Yes, and he'll have to repent and maybe ask for forgiveness for his sins, but because of the goodness, it will lead to repentance. Jesus came in with a miracle, and they're like, wow, I need to repent, fall down, bah! Same happens with in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit comes in on the, on the crowd in the upper room, and there's manifestations, there's a power encounter that the whole area has with with God, and then Peter stands up and he says, repent and be baptized, and 3,000 people get saved. It's not because of Peter's amazing preaching, it's because of Jesus that showed up in the form of the Holy Spirit in, his, in all his glory. So, last verse that I want to read to you. John 20, verse 21 to 22. Remember, that I said, in the back of your mind, just keep this, that it is by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that he did all of this. It says this, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. So Jesus now is after his resurrection. He's showing up in the, in the apostles' room where they are fellowshipping. And he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, Hey, uh, you've heard me say this is my mission statement. I'm now going to graft you into my company. This is our mission statement. You're now my employees. And as I'm sending, as I was sent, I'm sending you. And not only am I sending you with a message and with a mission statement, I'm actually giving you the power to help me, that empowered me to do all of this. Okay, so this is what we want to do in this one minute that we have left. Is I want you to understand that Jesus is in this room and He wants to heal you. But also, He's also in this room to look you in the eye, to breathe over you and to say, As God has sent me, I want to send you and I want to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you can go and do everything that's declared in my mission statement. Because it's not my mission sta statement anymore. It's our mission statement. Great. So I want to just share a few stories. Hendrik, can you quickly come up? Hendrik is Afrikaans. So I can all can... So the first one of us begin English praten. Okay, so... I just want to, just to build your, your faith a little. So, um, who of you know of Kosisi Bantu? It's an amazing, there was an amazing revival in the 1970s under the, under the Zulus. So, I'm just reading through these old revival stories, especially in South Africa. We don't know. We don't, I don't know we have, if we have a reference for this. So, they're praying and they've, they're asking God, God, there's no power in ministry. People get saved, but after three months, they just backslidden again. And then they have all these miracles and stuff that broke 
that broke out because of the infilling of the Holy Spirit in a, in a small group, group of people. And one of the healings that they, they talk of was a guy, he was, he was mute, he was blind, and he was lame. So this is 29th of February, 1976. And in the service, they drove him to the service in a bus. And in the service, nobody's laying hands on him. He gets healed completely. So he goes back to his community. So the next week, another Sunday meeting, Erlu Stiechen, he sends his, his brother, Martin Stiechen, to go and fetch these people, or this guy, with his family. And there's already a service happening. hundred people are there. So Martin Stiechen, he can't drive them back because he has, only has a small vehicle that can fit in 15 people. But he needs to now start preaching the gospel there. So a hundred people start confessing their sins and salvations happen because of this one guy that came into the room where Jesus was Lord and he got healed of, he was lame, he was blind, and um, he was mute. So this can happen in our church too? If Jesus, if we place Jesus on his throne. Sorry, Henrik, no way You're like boys for us. So a few years ago, and this is now fortunate enough to have seen a couple of these, is um, there's a mother that phones me and tells me, hey, you need to um, spend some time with my, my, uh, my son and a few of his friends because I don't know that if they know Jesus, but I know they need, they need help because they're into all kinds of different things. So Jason and I, we have a meeting at school, after schools for a, a few weeks, I'm like, J.H., we need, to, we need to trust God to impress them because they're not listening to us. They, they seem to love the attention, but they don't understand that we actually don't want to point them to us, but to, but to God. So our, our plan was, we played a, a little video of somebody that got healed and said, hey, is there somebody that needs a healing? So this one guy, he comes, he says, no, my, my collarbone got broken a few years ago, and um, I've just just trouble, there's pain and, and stuff in the collarbone. We prayed, we prayed for him, and he says he's healed. And we're like, are you really healed? Yes, he's healed. So I didn't, I thought it was, wow, it's amazing. Until a pastor from another church phoned me the day after that and said, hey, just got this guy's mom in the video shop, and this, guy, this guy's mom's like going crazy because this is an amazing miracle because apparently the collarbone was standing out. You could feel it. I didn't know this. You could feel it. And then when we prayed for him, it just moved back into his shoulder. So I'm like, whoa, thank you, Jesus. So obviously after that, we had a lot more, <laughs> more innings with them because of what Jesus did. And I think oftentimes we, we do the other way around. We want them, we tell them all the, hey, honor your, other, honor your parents, you need to do this, and then you can follow Jesus. No, let's show them how big Jesus is. They're like, whoa, Jesus is so much bigger than I thought. And because of that, they will follow Jesus. And then we also have Jeanette over there. She got healed of arthritis last year. Was it last year? Two years ago. That's, that's amazing. Okay, and then it was Fendrik. He's from the Freistaat. And... Um, we prayed for him about it for his lower back last week, so I just want you to quickly just share that story, but also the, the bigger miracle. Yeah, um, I want to thank Jesus for healing my back. Every morning when I woke up, I had this back pain, and 
last Sunday they were praying for me and I felt this warm feeling and from there on I never had back pain again. And then a short um, testimony. Uh, in the free state, uh, one of our the women in our cell group, she went to hospital for migraine and she came back after five days and there was no uh, better, anything better on her. And um, my wife told me the Friday afternoon and I said to her, but let's go. Let's go and pray for her. And we phoned them and they didn't answer. So we know she's not well and we drove to the farm and we uh, stepped in. She was lay, lying in bed and um, we asked her if he, we can't pray for her and she said yes. And we started to pray Nothing happened. Second time, nothing, but we uh, anointed her with oil as well. The sixth time, she stood up out of bed. She said to Elna, come, let's go and make coffee. So, don't stop praying. Amen. Hendrik, your Afrikaans is, your English is amazing. So. <laughs> 